You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards Nagel, and Taylor Polendo. Carrie, so good to have you back. Thank you so much. I'm so stoked <laughs> to be back. For those who don't remember, we had Carrie on with Christopher Ferris in our episode 59 on anger. And we learned mm. so freaking much. Oh my gosh. And you did mention to us that you might be, how do you put it, a recovering people pleaser? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. I'm still working on it, but I'm farther <laughs> along than I used to be. Hey, okay. Yeah. Can so you get over it? Or maybe this is too early to ask that. Yeah. Well, I think I still always have the impulse, but I'm mm. a lot faster at catching it and you know, making a choice that's more authentic to who I am instead of what, you know, the impulse would have normally done. So there's but hope you're saying. There is hope. <laughs> I've definitely seen progress in both myself and my husband, who is a raging people pleaser. Oh, really? uh, oh yes. So that's an interesting dynamic. To yeah, have family and to have a people pleaser trying to rehabilitate another people pleaser. Um, <laughs> you know, that's always a good time. So, wow. Yeah. Dang. Okay. So maybe we should start by saying, mm -hmm. help us understand when we say people pleaser, we all have an idea in our heads. Yes. What yes. is the accepted definition? Would you well, say as a professional? Yeah, I think we use utilize it in many different ways. What we're talking about when we use the term people pleaser is is not just someone who's nice or wants to be well liked and is helpful. It goes deeper than that. It's someone who has a fear or um, an emotional need to be well liked to the extent that they're willing to sacrifice their own authenticity and mm. sacrifice you know what's right for them. It's really kind of a self-sabotage or a, a self-abandonment in order to kind of control the perception of what other people have of them and how they perceive them. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a deep need. I, I would even consider it an addiction and why I use the word recovery. Oh. Okay, so addicted to the attention or the what are you addicted to if you're a people yeah, pleaser? And I'm sure it, it varies to a certain extent, but mostly what we see is that there is a lack of security in relationships, a lack of sense of self. This addiction is is basically what allows you to feel secure in relationships. It's like you're earning it. It's kind of a conditional hmm. love. You're earning your spot in that person's life. Hmm. And, you know, it, it works out for us in a lot of cases. And, you know, people like people pleasers. And so it, it's reinforced. It's like an addiction that is actually celebrated in our culture, much like perfectionism. So, wow. Those two this, seem to toe a line, the, the people pleasing and perfectionism. Like there's yes. something in that for me, even hearing you say, when you hear, hear about people pleasing, it's this like losing yourself or, or not being true to yourself or not being authentic, authentic. And initially I want to say like, Oh, I, I run from those things, but it's, I don't know, the people pleasing things that I'm learning are towing this line of looking for that outside validation in that sense of what you just said of earning it. And yes. That is the part I'm curious to learn a little bit more about from you is how do you get off that line of like mm -hmm. a feeling that you need to earn those things in your relationships? Yeah. Because it is praised to do, to deserve X. Yeah. And when you've 
had these patterns for so long, the people in your life come to expect them. Well, some of my people pleasers are like, I did the right thing. I did the right thing. You know, and they, they stood up for themselves mm -hmm. and it, they were crushed because the person didn't celebrate them for mm -hmm. standing up for themselves. You know, I'm like, yeah, okay, I guess that's, we're ready for step two, you know, mm -hmm. realizing that not everybody's going to like you standing up for yourself. We take baby steps to get there. You know, we find safe people to practice with. That's why therapy is a great first step because to not people please your therapist and to practice it there and to realize that you can survive people being upset with you. And that's something that because of childhood. Let's go there. So let's say, how does it start? Yeah, where does the fear come from? Or yeah. and what so, is it a fear of? It's, it's a fear, I think, most deeply of losing connection or losing um, relationship with those most important to you. Okay. People pleasers tend to start out as parent pleasers. So they, mm. you know, learn that it works out for them to please their parent. And in some cases, even a responsibility to please their parent. Um, mm. And that is the uh, strategy that worked for them in childhood. And they apply it in different areas of their life and find out, oh, that works for me there too. The difference is that it's not a sustainable strategy. Mm. Is it socialization then mainly, or is it genetic and socialization? You know, it's that nature versus nurture debate. There is, there is temperament. I, I would say okay. there's temperament involved. Um, I think kids who tend to be more sensitive, more naturally empathetic, are more susceptible to being people pleasers. Okay. Uh, and, you know, your siblings and who your siblings are. If you have a sibling who is a large personality, and there's no room for you in the room, you learn that too. Or your parents are stressed out, you feel their stress, and your sibling is taking all the attention, you learn to not have needs. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, also parents who are at least emotionally immature, at worst, you know, having a personality disorder or an addiction can really cause children to become people pleasers. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So then how do you know if you are that? Yeah. Like, so let's say you're, say you're listening to this podcast and you're saying, yeah. I, I don't know. I sort of might, might be, I might not. Like, is it an on off thing or is it a spectrum? Yeah, I would, I would liken it to a spectrum for sure. That not, you're not going to have all of these, these characteristics, but it's going to show up in your life. How it shows up often is things like uh, trouble saying no, or when you do say <laughs> no, having intense guilt about it and kind of just feeling worried that that person hates you. Oh, trouble, okay. trouble setting boundaries in the same way. That's a, Oh, and then trouble enforcing those boundaries. It's one yeah. thing to set boundaries. It's another, a whole another deal to enforce them. Yeah. Um, we've had uh, multiple episodes on that topic. Yeah. Would, so would over explaining yourself come in the mix there? Cause I hear you saying like having trouble saying no. And sometimes I'm like my self-defense mechanism is like, no, I can do that. I just have to explain why so that they don't, people don't get upset or frustrated or think I'm not just backing out for no reason or, or whatever X reason yes. is. Over explaining is absolutely one of those characteristics. <laughs> I, I do it myself too. You, you can know you're going to get Wait, why, why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm just laughing because we've talked about that so much. I know. I don't know that I'm an over explainer, but I know some. I know some people that throw more words and then more words and then more words. Yes. Because they are trying to clean up a mess that can't be cleaned up. So they're just throwing words on it. 
You know, what's frustrating about that, though, is because I resonate with that. And I'm learning. I thought that over explaining would help the other person understand why I couldn't show up to something or help something. And and they would Mm -hmm. know that it wasn't because I wasn't caring about them or not just not available because I didn't feel like it or whatever. Right. And now I'm learning through this podcast together and, and just life that the over explaining actually it's confusing those people instead of doing the thing I want it to do, which is make them happier or understand because the too many words basically is like now that they've gotten too much information and now I've confused them instead of just said no. <laughs> I mean, it can, but yeah, I love the, the saying no is a complete sentence that you know what wow. you have to say. It's a complete sentence, Um, but that's very uncomfortable for people pleasers because we are very worried we're going to upset the person and they're not going to understand us and we're going to be viewed as selfish or self-absorbed. That's what we're trying to control is their perception of us. So why is it so bad to be a people pleaser? So is it bad? Because it's it's starting to sound not very good for people. Yeah, okay. Is it bad? (laughs) (laughs) You know, people who are in the peripheral of your life, you know, the people who you, who just kind of know you, man, it's great for them. They are, they are Mm -hmm. loving the people pleasing. However, Mm -hmm. people who know you closely and yourself, that's where it wreaks havoc. So certainly Mm -hmm. people pleasers struggle from high functioning anxiety and often low self-esteem and depression. Mm -hmm. So it's not doing them any favors and their loved ones are driven nuts by the people pleasing oftentimes it's passive aggressive conflict style oh no no don't tell me that (laughs) (laughs) is that like leaking out that betrayal of themselves is leaks out as a passive aggressive act yeah so oftentimes they won't they don't have the sense of self or the strength to be able to say i don't like that please don't do that but they're Mm. they're just resentful and they, they resent the person and they wish that person would read their mind or read their nonverbals and act accordingly. Yeah. But they don't use clear communication. They're just using nonverbals. And so it does bubble out. That, that resentment bubbles out in snarky comments or petty things, or there's just the good old avoiding conflict altogether. Maybe you're not aggressive, passive aggressive. You're just plain passive, which is more my style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was kind of thinking about that because I think I know a few people pleasers and we talk a lot on this podcast about clarity being kind. Yes. And like genuinely, I have benefited from my friends being people pleasers because they'll do what I want. Mm -hmm. However, the gift is in the giving, right? So like I want to be a good friend to them too. And it feels like you can't be a good friend if they don't tell you what they want or how to show up for them or or what Mm -hmm. is good for them. And so I understand them not wanting to upset someone maybe a bit more direct like myself, although I think I can do some of these things as well. But I do kind of want to say, like, if you are a people pleaser, those of us in your life really want to know how we can be there for you and love you. And ultimately, it probably does hurt our relationship, right? To not genuinely be yourself. I don't know, say what you want, because Mm -hmm. I would think that puts the distance there between us and that's ultimately what they're afraid of. So their worst fear is kind of coming true, even though they're trying to avoid that. Right. I don't know if that resonates. Yeah. And some of my extreme people pleasers, I've seen they don't communicate well. And so they just kind of take it and they take it and they take it. And then one day they're just done. And when they're done, they're done. And then they cut people off. Mm -hmm. So there's no, there's never, there's never the, 
the real working through it. There's mm-hmm. never the speaking up. So, so the people in their life are like, what just happened? They just like say, <laughs> yeah. say everything on their mind or, or enough's enough and they just withdraw. Yeah. It's the, what is it, the straw that breaks the camel's back? Mm, and okay. Because they've been wanting the person to change, but they mm. don't ever tell them how they need to change because they don't have the strength to be able to say, this is what I need from you in order for our relationship to get better mm-hmm. or for this to be mm-hmm. valuable, you know, long-term. And so because of that, then that has scared me seeing some of my more, more intense people pleasers, you know, I, I'm so, to my husband, you've got to tell me if I'm doing something like, don't, you know, <laughs> you've got to tell me, don't just like leave one day. And, and, you know, it's, that's scary to me that, that yeah. they could just cut you off when you didn't know what you needed to fix. Yeah. Is that how someone ends up coming to a professional like you is when an event has occurred like that? Is that the sign that you might need additional help? You know, people pleasers uh, <laughs> tend to be the ones that come to therapy to complain about everybody else in their life. Oh, so they're already here. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I do have a lot of people pleasers because here is the safe place where also they're not burdening anybody with their stuff. I, they're paying me. So it's okay to burden me because they're paying yeah. me. Whereas they don't want to burden anybody. Damn. Anybody else. I feel like people are going to be called out with that right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So it's, it's already there. They're already seeing you. And so then how common is it for someone to have an event where they suddenly withdraw or suddenly blow up and say the things they're thinking? Yeah. And I think that's the common pattern is, is that they take it, they take it, they take it. And then something small happens and they overreact what seems like to everyone else, they overreact. Now to them, this was a long time coming to the other person. They're like, Whoa, I just said, I didn't want to go to your party. (laughs) And that's a pretty normal pattern for people pleasers, but then it's the more extreme ones that will cut somebody off altogether. How can someone that is a people pleaser resist the temptation impulse or your fear trying to be a recovering people pleaser? How, what are like some questions you can ask yourself to say like, yeah. like stop, drop and roll. Like when you're about uh-huh. to be on yeah. fire, like how can that, that's good. Catchy, catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first step is to, you actually want to stop giving when it's inauthentic. Much mm-hmm. of the resentment comes from giving and then mm-hmm. not receiving because people aren't willing to do what you're willing to do and a resentment mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. And so in the first place, I actually want my people pleasers to stop giving so much if it's not authentic. Number one thing I have them do is to evaluate their motives. Why mm-hmm. am I saying yes to this? Why am I giving here? And if it's out of fear or obligation, I mean, some obligations we just have to do. If it's aligned with our values, okay, okay. Like if if this is is a homeless person off the street and they're asking for money and it's your value system to help those and you have it, great. But I want them to evaluate, do I have capacity? Can I afford this in money? Can I afford this in time? Can I afford this in emotional energy? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, I want them to practice. If, If they can't yet say no, I want them to at least get a little distance and say, let me think about it. Or, mm, let me, you know, okay. let me get back to you on that. Mm-hmm. That's okay. the first step to learning how to say no is to just don't say yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, that's actually the- funny, but that, that's, so it's not it's just say no, but don't say yes. <laughs> yeah. Just don't say yes. And it's, it's becoming less of an automatic behavior and a more conscious behavior of 
I'm saying yes, and I know why I'm saying yes, or I'm saying no, and I know why I'm saying no. Mm -hmm. And then to tolerate the anxiety and the, and the guilt that comes from saying no when they do. That's kind of the uncomfortable feeling they have. I know my friends have talked about that. They feel so incredibly uncomfortable when they aren't able to do what someone wants them to do. And I've kind of talked about like, is there a balance? And I guess that's what you're talking about. You know, they're kind people at heart. So do what is genuine to them. But, and then when you take it against those values, like, can I afford this? Can I emotionally afford this? All of those things. And that's how you would kind of filter out. Yes. So I would imagine that that's very difficult work, however, because what we're saying is this is someone who's other-centered. They're worried about pleasing the other person, and you're asking them to think about themselves and their own motives. That's a really big gap, I think. For sure. For some, it's not just standing up for what you want or need. For some, they don't even know what they want or need. Yeah. I would think, I mean, it might take a long time to even start to say, do I have resentment? Don't I? What do I want? Yes. Because they're probably, my guess is so used to saying, okay, I'll do that, that there's no reason to even think about what you wanted. Carrie, weren't you saying that in the start, that that there's a loss of self, the loss of authenticity? So if you're someone thinking like, I don't know what I want, or maybe this is, that's where this is coming from. Is that, it's the don't, so don't say yes and stop and ask yourself what you really want. I mean, is that the next? There's definitely multiple pieces to that. And so spending time getting to know what do you want in little things. People pleasers mantra is it's not a big deal. I'll just do it. Or it's not a big deal. I'll just let it's not a big deal is mm. what they say to themselves all the time. So this came to a head with my husband. So he's a firefighter. So he works 24 hour or 48 hour shifts. And when I was in grad school, I didn't have to get up until nine in the morning. And so he was coming off shift and he'd been working 24 hours or 48 hours coming off shift. He's tired. He's been working for that long. I'm just getting up, getting out of my beauty sleep at 9am. And, <laughs> and I like greet him and he, who he's an eternally positive person and his nonverbals were like, Hey, I'm like, Ooh, Ooh. you know, and this happened uh-huh. a couple times where I'm like, Hey, is everything okay? Everything's fine. This is, it's you, you're making it weird. Uh, okay. Oh, sure. Okay. You know, uh-huh. and And after the third or fourth time of this, I'm like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because you are telling me that it's me and that it is, you know, but you are not yourself. You know, Mm. you are not making eye contact with me. You are short and curt. And this is not the nonverbals that I normally get from you. And Mm -hmm. finally, I I was, I actually started making some, um, I'm like, is it because I got this, I'm just now getting up? Is, is that what's frustrating you? Like I started guessing at it and mm. we call it the dish debacle of 2010 <laughs> it, because what it turned out to be is that I, 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 there were dishes in the sink that I did not do, um, come home after a 48 hour shift and start doing the dishes. And dang right, he's bitter. I'm waking up at nine, nine AM and having not done the dishes and he's he's having to do them. Of course, that would make anybody upset. But he would yeah. just tell himself, it's not a big deal. I'll just do it. It's not a big deal. But he mm. is fuming. Mm. He's not mm. allowing himself the permission to be mad at me for it. And I mm. would be mad at me. Once I understood, <laughs> it wasn't that hard. I just needed to know. Right. Mm. What is that you said a couple of minutes ago about people pleasers 
wanting to be easygoing or they're not bothersome. Um, I re- it was funny. I you know it, we always joke that when we we prepare for an episode, it comes up somewhere. NPR oh, actually uh, posted something on Instagram this last week about it. It was a blend of the perfectionism and people pleasing, and it mentioned that these people they long to be viewed as easygoing and uncomplicated and perfectly liked by others. And I just highlighted because you were, you were saying that earlier and that is the part of people pleasing. I think if I'm allowed to say I'm recovering from that, I used to connect with so much of this, like, but I want to be uncomplicated. Don't want to be the thing that bothers people. Don't want to add to the burdens of others. Not that I want to lose myself and do what everyone says and take away my values. Cause I think there can be, different layers of this. And if some people fall in there, then they do. I, I don't think I relate with that. Maybe I have in my life, I, but it's more that feeling of uncomplicating everyone's life around me about me. I, I don't want to be that one more thing. Hmm. That's the part with this that I think if I'm really honest and I don't like it, sometimes I like that though. I like that about myself that I don't want to bother people. So how do I do that dance where that is an okay thing, I think. Or maybe I should just accept that it's not. <laughs> um, so you're trying and to get I'll, her to give you permission to keep yeah. what you're doing. <laughs> like a middle ground. Can to, you somewhat be a people pleaser? Is that what I'm you're trying to like be 50% better. P. Like we usually talk about. I just want to be 50% better. How do I do that? Just give me an F and I'll get there. <laughs> well, and it, it is celebrated in our culture. That mentality is celebrated in our culture, that that rugged individualism. I'm self-sufficient. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. And yeah, you're the easy friend, right? Nobody's got to worry about you. Nobody's like, oh, you're, you're not the one that people complain about. And so that gives you, what, what does that do for you? When you said that, I was like, well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is like, oh, I hope not. Um, so what does that do for me? You're actually yeah. asking me? Yeah. What does it do for me to, to want to be that person? Right. So, so being um, a complicated friend that doesn't, doesn't rely too much on others. How does that help you? I like the feeling of not bothering people. <laughs> okay. So yeah, the sense of, sense of pride that you're self-sufficient. You, you're not the complicated friend. Yeah. Or I, I guess I like that. I like people that are close to me to know that I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. Fe- I mean, and maybe that comes from something in a younger me, let, like making sure people around me knew I'm, I'm a, no, I'm okay. You know, that I, I can handle this. I can handle this, whatever this problem is kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is celebrated in our culture. I do see it among clients who have, and I, you don't have to speak to this if, if you might That's have fine. relatives listening. <laughs> but, That's fine. Uh, but not like, telling them about the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I see that among clients that have a family member that has high needs. It's mm-hmm. like if there's a member of the family that it's all about all the time, they suck the air out of the room for anybody else. There's no more room for anybody else. And so it's just if you have a parent who is any kind of greater needs, then we, we kind yeah. of our parents so much, we just kind of disappear. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I don't think I'm alone in that some of those no. things can be true what you're saying right but that's probably yeah that makes sense yeah yes people pleasers do not receive help well and that is I, <laughs> taylor i think you may have been the one to mention as a friend you want to give to your friends i, I have a people pleaser yeah. friend that drives me nuts i'm like let me love you yeah <laughs> love you. and and <laughs> receive it 
I'm so grateful for how she has given to me in my life that I want to show appreciation back. I want to reciprocate and she won't let me. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> so the mm. fact that I have, I actually have a code word with another friend of mine, French fries, which I don't know where it comes from, but it's our <laughs> safe word to say, let me do this for you. Mm. And so we're both people pleasers. And when we, when maybe one of us wants to treat the other to lunch and the other one fights it like, no, 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 no. Like, and we go back and forth. We just French fries and it's done. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I like that. It, like that. So that us. that's an interesting dynamic. So if someone's a people pleaser, do they tend to twofold question, do they tend to gravitate towards additional people pleasers as friends? And what hmm. does that combination dynamic present for the relationship? That's an interesting question that I hadn't thought of. I think a lot of uh, my friends tend to be similar to me, people pleasing perfectionists. <laughs> so we get each other, we understand each other. But yet, in general, I tend to see givers finding takers and takers finding mm. givers. Yeah. And that is the more common, the more common dynamic that finds each other. So then would a narcissist pair up with a people pleaser? 100%. We are, people pleasers are narciss narcissist bait. Um, yeah. People, people who are super positive, super forgiving, super uh, amiable, we are narcissist bait. So, How does that work? Do you have advice for those who have people pleasers in their life? How can, I guess we help them or? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A lot of patience and a lot of emotional regulating to stay calm because if they fear loss of relationship, any amount of anger, any amount of upsetness is really going to trigger them. And so if, they need to borrow your calmness often, but also become a student of their nonverbal communication. So their tone of voice, what is their baseline? Become normalized with their baseline behaviors and notice when it's different. There are times when my husband is able to notice changes in me before I notice them in myself. And that is the case often with people pleasers is they don't notice those things. And so it takes a loving other to say, Hey, I noticed you got quiet. Is everything okay? And hopefully they will receive that as a kind gesture, not as a judge, judgy one, but be able to be a little introspective and go, you know, I am a little sad or I am a little upset. Also, those people pleasers who don't know how they feel or what they want because they didn't develop it. I had a friend of mine who I think had seven brothers and sisters, and he is a people pleaser because it didn't matter if he wanted something. He wasn't going to get it anyway. So, you know, why speak yeah. up? Because you were just one in the mix and it was, somebody else was going to win. So why? Most people pleasers are far more familiar with what they don't want than what they do want. So as a loved one, you can offer them multiple choice options and they will tell you what they don't want. So it's like, okay, I see you're upset. Do you want a hug? Do you want some space? Do you want me to buy you tacos and tell you you're pretty? You know, like, so you can. All great options. That's yes, right? my favorite yes. right there. Yeah. But I want to be told I'm pretty while I'm eating the tacos. Yeah. <laughs> As it's falling out everywhere. You know? <laughs> um, and Good. offering multiple choice options allows them to tell you what they don't want. Oh, you know, don't tell me I'm pretty, you know, or, you know, you know, whatever their thing is. And not mm -hmm. everybody receives that well, but they, they might hesitate at something and that's an in, or 
It also, for some reason, by giving them options, does tend to stimulate some of their own ideas about like, okay, you know, maybe not a walk around the lake, but maybe just a walk around the neighborhood. Okay, great. Let's just do that. You know, I love how this is integrating into some things we've talked about before that I'll, I'll go to our teacher uh, here for that you say in communication, Dr. K, that with more questions and information, it's, it's getting more information. These are mm-hmm. relationships you want to keep. So it's, this is about asking those questions or getting more multiple choice. sounds like the people in our lives are this way. It's about getting more of that information and communication with them to build the relationship. So this is, these are tools and things that we want to utilize with people that we want to have authentic relationship with. It sounds like. Yes. I have one client recently who is really irritated by his girlfriend's passive aggressive conflict style. And and I asked him, I'm like, do you know why she won't speak up? And he, it's like, it never occurred to him to ask her. <laughs> I was like, okay, step one, let's, let's talk to her, <laughs> you know, in a time that you're, you feel calm, you know, and you're not just accusing her of, yeah. of yeah. you know, and you know, it turns out that, yeah, she didn't, she didn't feel like she could speak up because he would have an argument for whatever she said anyway. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe now ask her what he can do differently if he wants her to speak up. What does he need to do differently to make it safer for her to do that? Gosh, seems like such a simple thing, but so hard. Totally. I mean, that's part of what your expertise helps them see what's going on. Or as I say in my job, I provide labels for lived experiences. Oh, I love Mm -hmm. that. And that's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not like we say, oh, I've never seen that before. I've never seen someone be passive aggressive. or I've never seen somebody not speak up for themselves. We know it's just, but we need to know the other things that are the terms that help us navigate it. Yes. So I love the multiple choice. That's really interesting generally as a strategy. Mm -hmm. And anybody who doesn't have much of a um, awareness of what they want or need across the board. I mean, this is for teenagers. This is for children. This is like most people who they know what they don't want more than they know what they want, or they know it won't help more than they know what will help. And is that related to this resentment word that we're talking about? Because it seems like it might be because it's, I'm familiar with what I don't want because it keeps breeding resentment. So that reminds me that I don't like agreeing to this thing that I keep agreeing to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it resonates and like, okay, check in with how I feel on each option. And you're like, Ooh, no, you know, I wouldn't want that. Yeah. That's the no is pretty familiar if you've been building up resentment. Yeah. Yeah. So I think so, the other thing that I would add to this conversation that I think is interesting in communication is this idea that sometimes there's people who are not people pleasers, right? And they would ask a people pleaser, just tell me what you want. Come on, <laughs> kind of get over it. Yeah. yeah. And yes. it's, it's a really incompetent position for that original person because you're suggesting they had the convenience of living a life yes. that always was able to know that. Because if you were in that large family, had that family member who was quite demanding that put you in, conditioned you to become a, a people pleaser. For those of us that aren't that way, we have to check ourselves a bit and not act like everyone should be familiar with everything they need and be able to articulate it. But then where do you start knowing what you want? Yeah, that's it. Um, Without someone just asking you. <laughs> yeah. Is, so mean, the, is that what you mean, Taylor? No, I'm just like, because I relate to that a lot. I'm like, I don't know what I want. I, I can, I could say what I don't want, but I don't know what I want all the time. Um, yeah. And yeah. for people, then if you're being asked that, I'm like, well, just tell me. It's like, if you don't even know, where do you start with that? Yeah, right. 
And that's exploration on your own of, of as many times as you can, even if somebody else is making a decision, somebody else is talking about like what to have for dinner, reflect within yourself of what would I want, you know, for dinner? If it were up to me, what would I want? And just kind of continuing to ask yourself that in, as often as possible, if it were up to me, what would I want? Begins mm -hmm. that process. And at first you don't know. So there is, I always encourage exploration too. If you do gravitate towards something, tell me why. Tell me why you love that thing. And it builds an awareness. But it was something just popped in my mind of, of the wisdom of uh, the scholarly source TikTok um, that I learned <laughs> was, was, yeah, it's, it's a brilliant source. Who knows how much of it is true, but I, I learned so much. Somebody highlighted the difference between ask culture and guess culture. And that not everybody is raised in ask culture. So like we talked about, if one of you need a ride to the airport, I just want you to say, Carrie, are you free at this time? I need a ride to the airport. I want it to be that clear. Yeah. I don't want you at lunch to say, well, I guess I don't know how I'm going to get to the airport next week. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, it's cringe. It's yeah. like in some cultures it would be considered rude to directly ask because then they, you feel like you can't say no. It's like, oh, you just directly asked me. Mm. I, you now I have to say yes. In some cultures, ask culture feels far too forward, feels far too, too direct. It's like abrasive almost. Yeah. When you put it that way. Whereas guest culture feels cringe to me. I, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> don't do that. Just ask. Just, you know. Yeah. Interesting. So then I guess what you're saying is be aware of how they feel about ask and guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true of some ethnicities, but they're also in families, family mm -hmm. culture. Once I learned that, I had a lot more patience for that type of behavior. I do still encourage to mean what you say and say what you mean. I don't want my people pleasers to be, to want their mind read. Say what you mean <laughs> and say. I, I'm sure that's probably a topic you guys talk about a lot. Is there a way to circle... Um, you were saying nature versus nurture on this. These are all tools that we can use if we quote struggle with this tendency or we have people in our lives who want to help. How can we avoid passing this on? Yeah. Whether as like a teacher to your students mm -hmm. or as a director to your employees or a parent to a child, like how can you not pass this type of behavior to people that you're in power over? Because it seems like a really easy strategy to get people to do what you want. Yes. Yes. But could create issues later on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as far as a parent specifically, um, that's the, I think, because that's so often where it begins is wanting to be as healthy as you can as a, as a parent. Doing your own work in therapy is the biggest gift you can give to your child. I have a friend of mine who has three teenage girls and one of the three shows clear signs of being a people pleaser. And they're like trying to mitigate that before she gets to adulthood. And they are very intentional and strategic to ask her, what do you want? And she'll say, no, no, just let my sisters choose. It's fine. Because it's so easy when you have a, an easygoing kid to be like, you're tired, right? Thank God, they, you know, you're mm -hmm. tired and you don't want to fight. Oh, it, let, let's just do what the, the hard kid wants to do. And so to be mm -hmm. intentional and to stop and say, no, I want to hear what you have to say, or I want to hear what you think. I want to hear what you would like. Mm -hmm. Not that they will always get it, but at least to, to build that muscle of at mm -hmm. least they know what they want, even if it's not okay. always 
if they're not always able to get it. I would think a lot of parents miss that whole thing and they would do what you described and say, oh, you're just the easy kid. Isn't that nice? I'll deal with the other two. My brother and sister-in-law are phenomenal parents, but they, their oldest has half of a heart and has needed three heart surgeries within the first three years of his life. Hmm. Top of that, he's on the spectrum, uh, the autism spectrum. And so he's a tough kid. He's a high needs kid. And yeah. Um, they're doing the best they can, but it's like that their younger one. I'm like, he's going to be a people pleaser because there's no room for him. You know, mm-hmm. so they're there. They're tired. They're so tired that there's not enough hours in the day to meet mm-hmm. all the needs and they're doing the best they can and they do a phenomenal job. But the little one, if we're not, if we all accommodate the older one, mm-hmm. um, the, the younger one is going to be most likely a people pleaser and not ask for his needs to be met because it's, there's no room. So that's kind of interesting for our parents who listen to maybe take stock a little bit and think about this particular tendency and are you seeing it play out and are you supporting it in a way that's growing it versus not growing it as a tendency? I mean, mine are grown, but I think if I was listening to this and had high schoolers, I would think, huh, this is a very interesting thing to ask myself. Yeah. I grew up with a family who had 12 kids. And wow, you were kind of mentioning, you know, how could you possibly be seen? And they picked a week each week, whatever it, you didn't have to go spend a lot of money. But if, if dad was going to the grocery store, whoever's week it was, that kid got to go, whatever wow. errand it was. And they just traded oh, wow. weeks. And That's I've cool. always wanted to do that with my own kids, That's even awesome. though I don't have 12 nor plan don't to have 12. You're on your way <laughs> to you just need 10 oh, more, Taylor. just 10 more, just 10 more. I mean... But I love that. Even if it's, you know, that person picks the movie that you watch that week, that person picks where you go to dinner that week, whatever it is, they're the decision maker and everyone gets to practice then yes. taking turns and then having to come up with a decision. So it's also like teaching that. if someone doesn't have a That's hard time. That's a brilliant, brilliant solution when you have 12. That or me. just have less than 12 <laughs> is another solution. You get more turns, well, definitely. What parent doesn't feel like a, a huge success when they have an obedient, empathetic child that sa- sacrifices for their sibling? Like that's sure. another oh, moment. And yet those are the things that, that are precursors to seeing them in my office. Like, mm. of course, we want kind, giving kids. Yeah, but if it's yeah. always that kid, if it's always that kid, then... That's, that's going to be the problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then then just growing up and then is it always you? Is it always your one friend that's always the easy one that does whatever Mm -hmm. you want? Is it always your partner that gives into what you want? Mm -hmm. It's, it sounds like this is just a a good thing to observe in yourself and the people around you. Like it makes me almost want to stop and think like, is my partner always doing what I want? Mm -hmm. Cause it makes me happy. Like I, you know, like, or do I need to stop and ask that for some personality types? It sounds like it feeds those things. And so that can be a dangerous mix, but yeah. And I, I haven't thought about the whole, like, just don't say, just don't say no or yes. I mean, right. Just don't say yes. Yeah. Right. Like that. That seems like such a step. like yeah. silly. Like it's not even it's not even like stop. It's not pause. Drop and roll. It's, a, it's just don't say yes. Can you just do that like for a second? Yeah. If you want to turn around and just run away, like that's yeah. a solution. Like that's an answer. Yeah. <laughs> just... Yeah. Because I sadly I know no is a complete sentence, and I don't mind when people tell me no. It doesn't bother me. 
Yeah. I though feel that something else has to come after that for me. So now I just might just tell myself, just don't say yes. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So are more women people pleasers than men and our youngest children more likely to be people pleasers than oldest children? Um, women, women, for sure. We are socialized in this country yeah. to be people pleasers, to be amiable. You know, I haven't seen research on, on birth order with this, but I think it, it to me, it has far more to do with personality. The yeah. So if you have a strong personality in the family, the sibling is likely to be the people pleaser, regardless yeah. of order. However, okay. oldest, oldest siblings definitely tend to be the parent pleaser first. Um, mm-hmm. so if there's, if there's equal strength of personalities, oldest ones, I, I see a lot being the people pleasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Again, not just temperament, not just what the parents do. There's siblings, friends, they're all factors, you know, it's so complicated. What about being a recovering people pleaser? Are you most proud of Ooh. yourself? Uh, I would say not being passive aggressive. I think that's a quality that. That's just unattractive to me. And the fact that, okay, I'm still passive. I just avoid conflict, but at least I'm not passive aggressive. Mm. Um, and so that's a victory I'm proud of. That's nice. Do you have any, last time you shared a fun video for us, do you have any resources or anything on this topic that you want to share? So for my millennials and older, I recommend anything by my professional crush, Brene Brown. moment for Brene Um, I love a good moment for her (laughs) oh yes yes all the moments for Brene also so codependent no more Uh, one of the things we didn't really talk too much about but there is people pleasing and how in popular culture we're we're using the term codependence is actually synonymous I I think it gets complicated in how we originally used codependent Mm. labeled someone a codependent and so I just try to stay away from it but as a people pleaser to read codependent no more the industry standard for that so Mm. if you are millennial or older those are my resources if you are millennial or younger I have Instagram accounts that I highly recommend and that to follow because there's phenomenal content that you get in bite-sized pieces that you can take with you through your day and like the just don't say yes type concepts and that's at Dr. Katie Frack F-R-A-C Haley Page McGee is another one deals specifically with people pleasing and the holistic psychologist. Oh, uh, yeah. We're okay. Talking about yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were talking about her a little bit ago. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's got really good content. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, and she's got a book out too. So, if you're more mm-hmm. of a book person and want to read, you can certainly read Doing the Work, something like that. Let's see. I don't have any fun videos uh, of this specifically, but those are the resources I have. Yeah, I'm sure they're great. awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Funny, your last one did an Instagram call out of me on this this week, which always happens when like these things come up and we're talking about them. And she said in one, of, I screenshot it one of our hers. She says, uh, "One of the most dangerous addictions is the addiction to external validation." Oh yes. I was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're seeking <laughs> seeking that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's. It's that external validation piece that's at the heart of people pleasing and perfectionism and overachieving. Maybe this is like too like much of a history dive or culture dive or whatever, but because you said that research just shows that mostly 
women tend to lean this way. Is that just for like, like it's just easier to deal with someone like this. And so it's easier to create a mold of a group of people that are just not making a fuss or a little bit quieter and, and make the group happy. Yeah. I mean, that's what we, how we socialize feminine features, right? Be ladylike, be quiet, <laughs> like sit still and look pretty, you know, like We're just being smaller, just like, yes. Yeah. Literally mm-hmm. trying yeah. to make ourselves as small as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like we, we talked about last time, like women in the workplace who are assertive are seen as bitchy when a a man with the same behavior would be looked at as assertive, you know, or a good leader, which is, you know, it's just how we socialize women and men differently. Mm -hmm. seems like there's a good wrestling going on with that right now, though. Yes, I know. I'm excited about that. Okay, where can we hear more from you or professionally come come see you? Come on down. So I see anybody in California. Uh, My license covers me for all of California. So if you're okay with telehealth, I can see you. I have clients in San Francisco and LA and all over, but if you are local to Orange County, um, you can come see me at my Mission Viejo office and you can find me online at octherapynow.com. Awesome. Thank you, Carrie. Again, of course, we learned so much from you. Thanks, guys. It's always fun to hang out with you. You're a fun group. Uh, Carrie, thank you so much. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.